The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. All right, boys and girls, my name is Tobias Wilborn. The name on the marquee is Know the Score. And today we have another full panel. Shout out to Jesse, Don, and Tyler. How are you guys? Good. How are you doing? Man, feeling good, feeling great, man. You know, um, another day in the jungle and back at it after bourbon ball and all that good stuff, man. So, Don and Tyler, y'all, y'all all right? Yeah, man. Hey, man, it's feeling good, man. man. Great. Uh, Wait, did you have a good time, though? Great. To, great. Uh, I did, man. Uh, I, I may have had too much fun because like, there's a part of it that just kind of I don't remember and out of mouth kiss somebody at the party. But. Sounds like a corn party. Okay. But, well, you know, I also didn't get beat up at the party either. So, you know, there's that. So Yeah, that's true. Really he didn't. Yeah, same here. Uh, just want to add, Tobias had a great time hanging out with you. Uh, Man, Brian, brother, it was, you know, it was really good to actually vibe with you, like, in real life. So, hopefully, Don and Jesse, I get to meet you guys in person, too, so we actually can kind of kick it and kind of, you know, build the rapport. So, anyway, from there, let's get right into this NCAA tournament action. Um. The round of 64, quite honestly, was pretty boring to me. But, you know, the round of 32 got pretty interesting. I will start with Tyler. What caught your eye the most about the first weekend of tournament? Uh, the AC, Well, we can talk. I'm in the middle of ACC country along with Don. And the fact that the did the ACC lie to us? Yeah, or is it a war of attrition where... The HTC beat each up, beat up each other so much that may not have been as good after all. Um, of course, they came in with nine teams uh, that were thought to get ten, but Syracuse stayed at home. Uh, and as we go into the Sweet Sixteen, there is just one, and that was North Carolina, which is uh, the best team. Um, so yeah, that part was right. But to see all those teams go down in the ACC and not do, not play well, uh, you know. Duke, Duke may have been the biggest upset. Duke losing to South Carolina by uh, giving up sixty five points in the second. Yeah, half I didn't see that coming at all. A team that, that averages that averages like 60, 63 and a half mm-hmm. a game. Um, that was that was a bit of a shock. Um, and also, as we know, um, just before we went on air, Jason Tatum has declared that he will go pro as expected. So, uh-huh. uh, got to start over. Hey, get uh, Coach K. Tatum, get your money, get your coins whatever it's called, get all that shit because it's yours. But um, I, I was a little I was a little shocked by Duke. I, I think nowadays we're at a point where, you know, these teams are so evenly matched. I mean, like you had Wichita State as a 10 seed, which we'll get into them, barely, barely losing to Kentucky. Um, you look at Dayton as a 7 seed that had to play Wichita State in the first round. I mean, those are two seat 16 caliber teams that had to play in the first round. So, I mean, if you're an ACC team now, you're also playing against good teams. That's the, I mean, these are the 64 best teams in the country, so these things are happening. I don't think it takes away from the ACC as a conference this year, but it just goes to show you, man. You know, in football, they say any given Sunday, I guess in college basketball, it's any given tournament day. You know, you can get beat if you ain't ready to play. True. Yeah, because back in the day, it was probably like 20 legitimate teams in the 64-team tournament. So, you know, once you got to the Sweet 16 Elite Eight, then it became kind of like an anybody-can-beat-you type of tournament. But through time and with the one-and-done and things of that nature, now it's coming to the – if you're not like a one or a two seed, any round you can get beat. 
And then once you are a winner or two seed, once you after you play your first game, you know, that second round game, like Villanova found out, like Duke found out, they can get you at eight or nine. They can get you because now there's like 48 good teams out of the 64 teams that play in this tournament. And there's not so many easy wins out there like there used to be back in the day when kids stayed longer and teams were older and, and the rules of the game were different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the, ki- the kids are definitely different. and but, but also, too, it's not just that about kids staying longer. It's that overall, I mean, as much as we talk about on, on different iterations of the podcast, you know, we talk about the U.S. game being down. But last I checked, the United States hasn't lost an international competition over the age of 18 in at least five, six years. So that means our youth players are pretty damn good. And not all those kids go to Duke and Kentucky. You know, mm-hmm. look, look at Michael Porter Jr., the, the, the star high school kid. He's going. He's most likely going to Missouri. I mean, of course, you know, Missouri is kind of hiring his dad for a job. But, I mean, that's a whole other conversation. That's a whole mm-hmm. or, or you look at, you know, UCLA returning with getting, you know, having Lonzo Ball. And, you know, the next couple of years you're going to have the other ball boys, you know. L'Angelo, I think his name is. Langelo and Lamario or whatever. <laughs> the point is, they're going to be going to UCLA. So, I mean, you know, I, I think there's more talent to basketball players than there ever has been before. And, and all of them can't go to Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And all of them can't go to Duke. And all of them can't go to Carolina. So, that means you're going to have a Dame Litter who ends up at a Western Michigan. Some of these kids who end up at different places. So, I think it's more of a testament of the types of players that a Gonzaga is getting or that a Creighton is getting. I mean, you know, you don't have to play at one of the five quote-unquote best schools to still be a pro, and sometimes it might be better for you to go to a smaller place. Mm-hmm. Yes? Indeed, yeah. Um, as we've seen, like, with Wichita State, Wichita, Wichita State and other, can we call them mid-major schools, um, they've shown us that, you know, you can play big ball and go for the tournament and, you know, Go far in the tournament without going to one of the blue, the blue bloods of the NCAA college basketball series. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're. I think we're definitely at a point where, you know, as I said before, I mean, this isn't this isn't college football where it's Bama and Clemson, Ohio State, and everybody else. You know, where Bama can still kind of hoard all the talent, or Ohio State can get all the kids from the Midwest, and Clemson. Right. Well, wherever they're getting their kids. I from, mean, you can, you can just look at Villanova being the champion out of the depleted, reconstructed Big East. You know what I mean? That just right. tells you just how wide open the tournament is, and you can be from any conference, no matter what the prestige is or what the RPI rating is or what Ken Pomeroy thinks about it, and you can win the championship if you can put together six games, and that's what it's all about. Yep. Hey, man. That, hey, look, if you have a point guard who can handle it, if you have shooter and you have somebody who can rebound it, you play with yeah. anybody in the country. And one dude to play defense that don't care about scoring that can play defense. And look, and then you know, and the fifth guy, if he happens to not be a stiff, and you can bring a couple guys off the bench, so you can you can compete with any team in the country. And if you can stay in the game long enough, you got a good coach, you got a chance to win. So I think college basketball is in a really good place, better place than we gave it credit for. I mean, some of the games are kind of. Bad, to be honest, but once you get into the tournament, and I think this weekend, fun time. So I will start with start with Tyler. I'll start with Don here. Like, what matchup are you most looking forward to coming into this week? Well, besides the the South Regional, just as a whole, with the, you know UCLA Kentucky, is just going to be a, a fantastic Ooh. nightcap to the Sweet Sixteen 
on Friday night at 9.30. Wake up the ghost, man. Wake up, you know, <laughs> wake up the my, ghost of Polly Pavilion, my, baby. My, my other matchup that I'm probably going to look forward to watching is Thursday night checking out Gonzaga and West Virginia. I, mm-hmm. I, just the, the different styles of play, I think it's just going to be so fun. West Virginia with their trap, with their want to get up-tempo, don't necessarily want to turn you over, just want to play get you to play a little bit faster than you want to. And then Gonzaga, you know, number one seed, They've got everything. You know, this is going to be a, a heck of a weekend for them because, I mean, if they get past Gonzaga and have to play Arizona for a right to go to the Final Four, I mean, they're going to earn it. So Gonzaga, West Virginia, besides the South Regional as a whole, is kind of what I'm interested in. Jess, what about you, darling? So the whole East bracket is really interesting to me because it's just a bunch of teams that no one wants to go to Madison. No one wants to, and no one can go to Madison Garden, Madison Square Garden to go see. Um, I think their matchup that will really intrigue me. Hmm, there's a few on here. I mean, the whole East Bracket, I just like to see how that squares up because it's just a bunch of teams that no one really expected to go that far in the tournament. You have Wisconsin, Purdue, Baylor, and South Carolina just you know taking down teams that you really didn't expect to take down. But I think the matchup I'm going to really look forward to, oh, gosh, this is hard. Other than UCLA, Kentucky, I think I'm going to, I want to see if Arizona, you know, is about this life and go with Arizona and Xavier because, you know, Xavier has proven themselves against top seeds, and I want to see if either Xavier can take them down or if, you know, Arizona's like, we got this, this is what we're here for, and goes on to the next round. All right. Tyler, what you got, bro? Tyler, you're on mute. You're on mute. I'm going to turn my car while you're on mute. Hey. Nigga. Tyler's gone. All right, well, fuck Tyler then. We ain't need his opinion anyway. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. He's not going to pick the shit He's going to be so upset when he hears this. Yeah, well, I, I'm upset at his phone. He was like, yeah. Out here, messing up the flow. We out here got a good conversation going. But All right. Tyler. All right, I got you. Yeah. I got it. I was almost, I was almost out. Okay. Um, the uh, Gonzaga, what, um, no, Xavier Arizona is another teacher versus people matchup, and I always like those. Um, uh, the guy that said Xavier was on. Uh, they uh, those two coaches have a history together along with um, with uh, Miller at Arizona. Uh, that Baylor South Carolina matchup in the East Regional is going to be real, really, really weird, but interesting because you got two great scores. Uh, I like to see how that might be. Even though that might be a sixty-five, sixty-two game, uh, you got two teams that have pretty good defenses going up against each other, and those tend to actually be good chess matches. Uh, of course, since uh, I'm a Carolina fan, I'm looking forward to the South region. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I, I'm almost in a can't-lose situation because if uh, if Carolina wins or if UCLA wins, I will have a rooting interest in both teams. Um, even if Carolina Carolina plays UCLA in the, uh, in the regional final, uh, you get the, the tons of stories, and you get the, you get Lonzo Ball, and you get uh, UCLA, and now Steve Alford is going to be a story because uh, because of the Indiana job that's open now. Uh, I mean, Tom Green. Wait, 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 are you thinking he would go back to Indiana? Or no, wait, wait, Alford goes to Purdue, right? Yes. And of, course, and of course, Alford, you know, famous schoolboy player in Indiana, as well as. I mean, I could see why people would think he would go back. They're prepared for uh, and, 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 what I'm hearing. And, well, and I guess, I mean, here's, here's my sidebar, right? 
conversation a little bit to the left, but we'll we'll center it back. How good is that Indiana job? Is it is it really the tradition of Indiana basketball, or was it just um, so? There's Indiana where they really are, and Indiana who thinks they should be where they are. Yeah, it sounds like, a, it sounds like the divide that kinda. the divide that doesn't really they're not in the same place. Yeah, I mean, to me, it reminds me of like the, the Hurricane football team, where everybody keeps telling me, "Oh, they're going to be back. They're going to be back." And yeah, back to what? I, I don't because I don't see it. I mean, and look, and, and look, and I, I think I mean, obviously, Indiana has great history, and the city of Indianapolis is still producing some really great basketball players. I mean, you look at guys like you know Greg Oden, you look at guys like Jeff Teague. I mean, there are guys who are coming out of the city of Indianapolis, but none of those guys are going to Indiana. They haven't in twenty years. I mean. Isaiah Thomas, when he came out of Chicago, it was the natural given choice for him to go to Indiana. If Isaiah Thomas came out of Chicago today, I don't think he's going to Indiana. Right. Well, and this ironically, you mentioned Thomas because Thomas this week has has done the little press circuit. Um, I mean, he was he was actually part of the in, the players only broadcast for uh, Thunder Warriors, and he was saying that he feels that Indiana is st- because of Indiana's reputation. The fact that they are not one of those schools that's uh, depending on all the new technology or adjusting to all of that new, all of the new things that are going on in college basketball, they're sticking to to the tradition. And he believes that people can still sell the tra- the tradition of quote unquote IU basketball to those to those. To who? And I don't know if I don't know if the parents are really buying it anymore. Man, parents, look, let me tell you no. something. I, let me tell you something. Dude. I, I've I've covered recruiting for most of my career, either directly or indirectly. Kids don't give a damn about that shit. Kids care about three things, man. Well, okay. Well, I put it like this: the the elite kids that they're going to need to compete with the Michigans and you know Michigan State when they get their ish back together, which I'm assuming they will, because and when they get to the level of when when they try to get to that level of competing with that those top 10, top 15 teams, they need elite players. And what elite players care about is good-looking shoes, um, resources. And good-looking uniforms. Right. And Indiana, they wear them born-ass candy-striped pants that don't nobody care about. I mean, and I say, look, and, I, and I'm a new. I mean, Indiana means something to me more than I can even express. But them pants look silly, man. Anybody, anybody, anybody get into that, man. I mean, and a band looks goofy. And they, I mean, Assembly Hall is a beautiful place, but Kids like new and flashy. Kids mm-hmm. like what Oregon football does. That's you know that's why Georgia Tech has some issues sometimes. They were Russell Athletic. That's Kids the reason why. That's the reason why Carolina redid their whole locker room and put a Jordan shoe wall up in there. Yeah, because kids like Jays. Kids like <laughs> nice stuff. I mean, now for Tech, and we're, and we're going to move on from this. Like for Tech, the Russell Athletic, you know, founders went to Tech. So I kind of like the same reason why Maryland was an early adopter of Under Armour. Even Under Armour is cooler than Russell. I say I like to say that Indiana ain't cool, and kids like cool. And I don't know if Indiana is willing to be cool or can be cool. So I don't know if they'll ever get the kids they need, and I don't know if they ever get a Steve Offer. Because hey, say what you will about about Lavar Ball, his kids can play, and he's got two of them coming there at least. And kids gonna want to play with them. Not to mention, not to mention uh, that team that he has right now, uh, along with Ball. Ball's former um, college, former high school rivals are full on that UCLA team. He beat TJ Leaf and the um, the other kid on his way to the state championship his senior year. So it's not just the Ball brothers. 
they are um they're bringing kids out of that high-end southern california area back to ucla yeah i mean they they're doing something that that really ucla hadn't done in a very long time and really 20 or 30 years they're owning southern socal and if you know anything about high school basketball man there's really five six places where kids come from it's socal um dallas houston atlanta and i can't even say new york anymore for real but that's a whole other conversation i know that's gonna take people off but what last last top five player to come out of new york kimba yeah, if you call him a top five. Exactly. Yeah, Kimba. Yeah. I said top flight, top flight, not top five. Oh. Yeah, I mean, like, oh, you know, all-star yeah. caliber, yeah. So yeah, yeah, like, the kids are coming from a very small segment of places. And SoCal is one of those places. And UCLA is starting to own SoCal. So Steve Arthur would be a fool to leave that, even if it is the nostalgia of going home. All right, so for me, I'll give my quick matchups then. We're going to, you know, get on to the next topic here. For me, I am really curious to see how Gonzaga handles playing against West Virginia. I think Gonzaga is better than West Virginia. I think Gonzaga should beat West Virginia. I think I saw a lot of that game. I think Gonzaga was favored by four. Um, But I want to see how they handle it. And a lot of times, Mark Few tends to lose games like this. And since nobody followed instructions, I asked for one. Y'all, everybody gave two. I guess I will give a second as well. Kansas and Purdue. Again, I think Kansas is much better than Purdue. I think it should not be a close game, but we all know that these are the games in which the Kansas coach tends to get a little bit of lemon mood, as our friend Bomani Jones would say. This is a prime setup for him to catch that lemon booty and not get as far as they go. Now, I, I have Kansas to the final four of my bracket. Actually, excuse me. No, I'm looking at it now. I'm going to the championship game. So I want Kansas to win the game, but I wouldn't be shocked that they lose it because these are the kind of games he loses. So we will see. But I'll tell you one place where you won't lose. You won't lose if you listen to Know the Score Pod on CSPN. Find us each and every week. Click on the hashtag KTS Pod. Follow us on Twitter on KTS Pod. Check us out. Stick and stay with us. So now, guys. Getting into, we're graduating here. Get out of college. Now we're getting to the money games. Talk about some NBA. It's been a very interesting couple of weeks. And one of the revelations of a couple of weeks is the Warriors may not be who they thought we were. Bang the table. Shout out to Denny Green. Is their downturn real? Are Memorex Rex or are we just overhyping it? Um, I think what is showing everybody right now is that their bench isn't as good as what the Heat assembled to make their run after they got LeBron. You know, they didn't have much of a bench, but the bench that they did have was serviceable. They had a defender and a guy who turned himself into a shooter at Battier. They had a good shooter and scorer in Ray Allen, and then they had a big guy defender in Haslam, and then kind of James Jones was just, you know, emergency man off the bench if we need you. And that's kind of a lot better than what the Warriors currently have. And hopefully for their sake, this playing time will give those guys confidence and, and help them improve. So when they are called upon in the playoffs, because your bench is very essential in the playoffs, to at least, you know, help maintain leads or, you know, make the leads grow and especially home games. Um, this experience without having KD will make their bench stronger in the long run. But right now they are not looking as dominant as they had been. Well, I mean, to me, I think we got some good news, right? That Kevin Durant, according to a report by Chris Haynes and Mark Stein. By the way, 
is 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 any is any reporter come up more than Chris Haynes in the last year? I mean, because it seemed like every every breaking story that isn't Woj is Chris Haynes or Mark Stein on it. I mean, I don't know what the brother Chris Haynes is doing. I've been trying to angle to get him on the podcast for as long as it's been in existence. You know, hopefully we get him on one day, but the brother busy. But, man, every time I turn around, am I wrong in that? I mean, you guys read all this stuff too. I mean, it's like every time I turn around, Chris Haynes and Mark Stein, on, on whatever Woj don't get, them boys seem to get it. Yeah. Okay. So my question is this. Isn't the, the Warriors bench? Isn't that not the same of every other NBA team in the league? So, you know. Well, uh, well, you also got to remember too, like the Warriors gave up a lot to get Kevin Durant. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they, had to let, they had to let Bogut go, and unfortunately for him, he got injured. You know, with the Cavs, so I think the Cavs would be in a totally right. different situation. So, um, for the for the past three two and a half seasons, yeah. that had kind of been the advantage the Warriors had is they could kind of go nine deep. Was their bench there wasn't much fall off. Yeah. You know I mean, yeah, they had Livingston like and Iguodala. Mm-hmm. They also gave up to Dallas with the lead, no? Yeah, I mean they you know they, they have some legitimate horses, you know, leave and the guys who they have left. So I mean what I, I will say this. If Kevin Durant is healthy and back, I think all this is a moot point. Right. If he ain't right, you know, look, they could be susceptible to not get out of the West, and I think Cleveland could get them too if they do make it out of the West. Right. Right. The thing that the Warriors will really have to hope is that he comes back, his knee, he gets his confidence. Like he comes back with a few games left in the regular season, like maybe three games where he can kind of play a few regular season games and not have to find his confidence in the playoffs. And then that, because he's had all this rest, he'll be the freshest player in every series that they play from here on out if they go deep. And they can bank on that, and that maybe by the time you get to the conference finals and the finals, he's got the rest off. He's got his confidence at a you know back up to where it was, and he's clicking on all cylinders. And he's the freshest player on either side in those last two rounds. That would right, be what the Warriors could maybe hope for his best case scenario. Right with the knee injury, so I don't know how long. I don't think the timeline that they think it will take to get that knee healthy will be the actual timeline. He'll he'll still play with some hesitancy because like oh. Yeah, you're right. It'll probably be like Steph was, where he'll probably be like 85%, where he'll be good, but he won't have that extra little uh, that you're used to seeing from Well, and then that's all the question, too. Then does he become a defensive liability like Steph was last year? Because if you remember, there was a point where the, the Cavs just ran everything at Steph Curry. I mean, it became to a point where he was playable, which is incredible to say, for him being the dynamic is to become a point to where don't even feel comfortable putting him in the lineup. I don't think so because the the way that they're kind of using him is they're using him more as a closer to the basket defender. So he's not really having to guard the wing as much on this team as he did in Oklahoma City. And I think that that might actually save him because he's doing a lot more of his defending closer to the basket in Golden State as kind of their de facto center kind of power forward. Well, I mean, and that's a good point. I guess, and, and of course, we'll see. And a lot of this depends on the matchups and how things shake out. But it is definitely not the foregone conclusion that we thought it would be. Isn't that Golden State was just going to walk to the finals and win the title just because now it's, you know, they're going to have to fight for it. It's not to say, I mean, they're not a championship caliber team. But, you know, hey, look, Spurs are still there and – I think we still Houston's going to be a problem if they have to run into Houston. That's a team that they if, don't want to see. As long as they keep the one seed 
and not and as long as they get as long as the Clippers remain in that four five spot, the war the Warriors are going to be in the conference finals. That's not an issue. It's just who are they going to match up against? Uh, can San Antonio and Houston wear themselves out before they get to the Warriors? I think San I think Houston and San Antonio push themselves to the limit. Maybe maybe go six, maybe even seven, depending on how how the Rockets are hitting shots. And I think you wear, you can wear down uh, you can wear down San Antonio before you take on Golden State. That's that's the way I think it's overall shaping up. It could, it could go a lot of different ways. But speaking of wearing down, one of the main topics has been you know the resting issue. Is it a problem? Is it not a problem? Thoughts about to kind of let you guys you know speak speak your mind and you know hear what you guys think about it. For me personally, we're everybody is played around 70, 71 games in the league, and we're still like three weeks away from the playoff starting. That's more than enough games. We figured out who's basically going to make it. I mean, we're looking at the bottom of the playoffs. There may be one or two teams that's in the playoff spot now that may be some changing. Play 70 games, start the season at Christmas, eliminate the back-to-backs, and – you, everything's fine because nobody really cares about the first third of the basketball season. Basketball starts on Halloween usually. Nobody really starts watching and cares about it till Christmas anyway. So just kind of use the plan they did during the lockout. They played 42 games, I think, that year. You add 15, 14 more games, play 56, spread it out a little bit more. And now at the beginning of April, you can start your playoffs. More rest in the summertime for guys cut off a month during the season and during the playoffs. Have more rest in the summertime and more rest during the season. Well, and speaking of cutting off, unfortunately, um, Jessica, she has to get out. So we're going to let her sign off, and then we're going to finish this up and then wrap up the show. Thanks, you guys. Um, it was great talking to you. I hope to speak to you guys next week. All right. Be good. Thank you. All right, Jess. Have a good one. All right. You too. All right. So, I, I, I mean, for me, I'm kind of indifferent about it because look, I, I, the only issue I have is when I say, first of all, okay, the issue with like LeBron sitting out the Clippers game. It was a nationally televised game on a Saturday night, and you're looking to see, you know, LeBron James and Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love versus Chris Paul and Blake Clifford and DeAndre Jordan. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, when they do those. Those promos, and look, and I've done ESPN radio. I've done the different things. So I've read those promos. I've written those promos. So I know you're writing it to catch that star power, right? And part of it is, you know, having LeBron James out there. I think a lot of this conversation is only centered around, let's say, maybe two to five NBA players. Right. I mean, you think about it. How many guys are you really paying money to see? KD, the Warriors, basically the Cavs, basically the teams, the Cavs, the Warriors, probably the Spurs. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even say people are really paying money because, like, look. And again, I, I live. I live in Atlanta, so I, I do a lot of work out of Atlanta. I, I go to other cities, and Atlanta's always the gauge of who's hot and who's not. Um, generally speaking, the Celtics always do well here because there's a bunch of Bostonians in Atlanta. So you know, regardless if they're good or bad, Celtics fans are going to be out. The Knicks same way, Lakers same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, have their fans always going to have people in the stands because that's just what that is. Now, as far as who's hot, you can tell LeBron was with the Heat. Everybody, everybody was a Miami Heat fan. Now he's with the Cavs fan. And same thing with the Warriors. It's Curry. To me, the people who I see, people really going out their way to see Braun, Katie, Curry. And of course, I mean they're on the same team. 
um, and Russ. Mm-hmm. People ain't going out of their way to see James Harden. Now, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, James Harden is a great player, but people ain't like I, I, I've never heard nobody say, "Hey, man, you know, I'm, I'm going to go buy these tickets to see James Harden." Just he's just not on that level. I think he could get there, especially if he keeps up this MVP, you know, type. You know what I'm saying? Way he's playing. So I mean, he could get there, but like I saw how people was. Like, it felt like you know the Beatles was in town when when the Warriors were here a couple weeks ago. Like I mean, people following a bus, you know, the whole nine, you know, all outside the hotel. Uh, everybody ain't got it like that. So I mean, that's kind of what this is. The conversation really boils down to LeBron. But you look at LeBron. LeBron has played more minutes in the NBA than Michael Jordan, than Larry Bird, than Magic Johnson. He's thirty-two, and we assume he still has four years left. Let's let's not forget, let's not forget the non-NBA minutes that he's played. Yeah, all and those Olympic commitments that the and, uh, will make too, and it's and, just uh, one year. The what five straight finals appearances? Also, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, every every year of his career, he's going deep in the playoffs. At least conference finals are better. So, I mean, he's never really been injured. So, I mean, like. I, I think we're being unrealistic to expect him not to need a rest here and there. And right. the teams are doing what's best for them. That being said, I also understand Network's position of this is supposed to be a high-profile game, this Clippers yeah, versus Cavs. We sell these right. ads and these beer commercials and these car commercials yeah. based on these players playing. And, you, and yeah, you've already made the TV deal, and you're you're actually paying the player's salary. And, I, and that's why I tell the fans, I say, fans, Fans, you have a have a gripe up to a certain point, but past that point is the networks because that's how player salaries do get paid. I think what's I mean, changed is the rest is more out front than it used to be. I think it used to be, hey, man, you know, look, Jordan's look, tired; he doesn't have to practice this week, and he can miss three of the four shoot arounds. That, but just do it for the game. You know what we used to call it back in the day? It's called a flu-like symptoms, or in Atlanta, it's called the Buckhead flu. <laughs> in certain cities, that's what it was. You know, hey, guy has flu-like symptoms. Oh, okay, well, all right, but whatever. Like, right. So, and particularly, it, it's interesting. Tom Haberstow wrote a really good piece for ESPN. <laughs> it's kind of interesting. It's like basically they call it the tenderization of the NBA, where you know guys are still doing certain things, but they aren't going out, they aren't trolling the bars, they aren't doing that. Like, guys are getting more rest, so like the home teams are winning more games. So players, even just stuff as simple as on the planes pretty regularly. That doesn't happen anymore. Why? Because science told them they were becoming dehydrated and that dehydration affects athletic performance. There's a lot few drinkers in the league than there's ever been, particularly going back to the 70s, 80s. That's why it kills me when old cats are like, well, back in my day, well, back in your day, you know, there used to be beer in the locker room. I mean, guys literally drank beer at halftime. I mean, like George Carl and other guys have told the stories because they thought that beer was hydrating back then. So at the halftime, you know, guys drinking a damn Miller Lite at the halftime. So, I mean, you know, but we've learned that that wasn't right. And we've learned that, you know, having guys go out to at some bar three, four o'clock in the morning when he's got a game the next day probably isn't the best thing. So if guys can find ways to take rest there, guys are getting more sleep. If guys are using Tinder instead of going out, you know, to meet their honeys, then why can't they get more rest? And again, like you don't care if Kimber Walker gets rest. Like if the if the Charlotte Hornets are playing the Brooklyn Nets, you don't care if Kimber Walker sits out. You care if LeBron sits out, which I get. I mean, particularly like I said, if you're somewhere like Memphis or you're somewhere, well, not Memphis because they'll yeah Memphis okay yeah because he he's with Cavs. So yeah, like if you're somewhere like Memphis, you're only gonna see LeBron at one time. 
And I can understand that. But I'd also say, too, whose fault? Whose fault is that the tickets are so high? Okay. Yeah. Wait, is that the players' fault or is that these greedy owners' fault? See? Exactly. But the players get the all the blame, though. Yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I'm over it. Hey, look, you got It's unfortunate. And, and again, be careful on this. I, I mean, I haven't paid for a sporting events since I've been in sports. So, but I know how much tickets cost. Like, I see them. Like, I've gotten them. Like, just recently, I have a group of friends and, you know, I was able to get them tickets to a game. And they weren't, I mean, you know, they were, you know, 100 level seats, um, you know, behind the basket. You know, those are a hundred bucks. Those are a hundred dollars a ticket, and you know I was able to get them for. So just that was four hundred bucks there. Then you know I was able to get them a parking. parking. Well, park. Um, you know it also came with the little food gift card. So I think they got like ten, twenty bucks each on food. So you look at it, that's like five hundred dollars to take. You know the family of four, if you're the husband, wife, and the two kids, right? That's a lot of money. I mean, some people. I mean. I don't pay that much for my car note and insurance combined. You know what I'm saying? So, that, I mean, that's some serious money. And I can understand how people feel upset about that. But that's not the player's fault. And that's something that, you know, the league won't say, well, we care about the fans. But do you? Because if you did, you want to make the tickets so high. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, for me, like I said, I'm, I'm okay with guys resting. I do think they probably need to evaluate it, either stretch, just stretch it out because they do try to stretch. They do try to pack all these games to a very short amount of time. You're not going to shorten the games because these TV contracts are based on these games and these home dates. So they're not going to do that. So they're going to have to find a way to stretch it out to make it more viable for guys to play 82 games. But even then, you know, guys get hurt. Guys get nicks. I mean, it happens, man. Right. Well, I mean, from there, you know, you look at the league and you look at what's going on. You have these battles. Talk about the top of the top of the table in these leagues. Talk about the bottom of the table, man. Some interesting battles. Eastern Conference, you know, you got Portland and you have Denver kind of to me is the two teams kind of vying for that AC Portland. I think they were a little bit ahead of schedule and they kind of got slapped back to reality. Well, they did a player yes, swap that that's not, <laughs> that's, that's kind of working out uh, for both opposite. teams. Hey, for Denver. Uh, with, yeah. With well, Nurkic. I mean, that's kind of why, you know, thank you, Ty. Look at you. You kind of got me where I was going. So yeah, that's where I was going because it's going to be interesting with Nurkic coming in and you know, he's been balling. He's been eating. And he did not look this good towards the end of his stay in Denver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is going to be, and they are literally ahead. If he Denver's literally ahead by a uh, one a game. game in the loss column. Yeah, uh, it's one game all around. One game in the loss column and the win column. So it's literally Denver loses and Portland wins. They're going to be tied. Yeah, and and they see each other one more time in the season too. So yeah, and Portland's been hot. They've won like five in a row, I think. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're seven seventy three in their last ten. So yeah, it's 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 wild uh, how that's going to come down, and that's going to be the race for eighth to see go to see go to state. Hey, but I tell you what though, <laughs> I tell you what though, you know, I remember back in the day, you know, Stephen A. Smith once famously said about AI, hey, AI gets you one. I think Dame Little might get you one at least in that series, and depending on how healthy Golden State is, he might get you two. Yeah, yeah, Portland's a- two. Portland matches up well with them. There's a couple of teams that kind of give Golden State fits just on the way that they're constructed. Boston is one. Washington is one. And um, Portland is another one. That's just the, the way those teams are built. They give Golden State fits. Man, I hey, I wouldn't be – if Portland gets in there, I wouldn't be shocked if they push that to a six or seven game series. 
I'm going to play devil's advocate here. I want a Houston Rockets, Oklahoma City Thunder first round matchup. Winner takes all. Winner likely gets the MVP uh, in that first round. I mean, hey, that would be fun, man. Watch Russ and and, and Harden go at each other for six, seven. Yeah, man. I'd love to see. And, you know, I've got a few Oklahoma City fans on my timeline. I I don't want to see OKC versus Golden State, though. I just don't think it'll be a good series. It's not a good matchup for OKC. No, it's not. all it would be is just a bunch of vitriol, and I, I'm I ain't got time for all. Which is why, I mean, which is why I I want them in the three six because they wouldn't see each other until the finals. And that one. yeah, that now now we'll say now 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 if OKC was able to make it to the finals, that would make for great theater. I just don't think they're that good. I mean, no, Russell not. Westbrook, Russell Westbrook is a very special player, and I think he has a chance to do some really great things going long term. But this team, it's him, Steve Adams, and a bunch of dudes, man. Yeah, and one of those dudes can't, and none of those dudes can shoot the ball. And again, like we were talking off the air, I don't trust any team who can't shoot the basketball. You can't make thirty-eight percent of your three-pointers as a team. You can't be trusted when it's time to win championships, and that's in college or NBA. Yeah, and that's the thing, man. I, like I said, I, I, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I, I would like my, like I said, my for ideal first matchup would be would be Golden State versus Portland. I like the idea of Dame going back to Oakland and just kind of doing his thing. And by the way, I have a really fun Q&A coming with him on this week on Sporting News. So you might want to check that out. Uh, it should be out either – I guess it'll be out by the time this episode runs. So, you know, check my Twitter, m 19 I'll have that going. And uh, we, we got into some really fun topics. So, man, shout out to Dame and shout out to Four Bar Friday. And from there, let's get into some NFL. I mean, you know – I think the NFL is officially coming to one sport. It doesn't really have an offseason, right? I mean, every time I turn around, whenever the NFL does something, it makes noise. And from there, I guess we will start with what's going on with Colin Kaepernick, man. Like, it, it is like, – what, what do y'all what do y'all, what do y'all think, man? I, I got my thoughts. What, what y'all boys think? Okay, Collusion. I'm straight up about it. Collusion. Uh, it's, it, yeah, it's so, – it's, and I've been saying this all week, um, the famous uh, – Boogie Down Production Line, you're still telling lies to me because that's what everybody's doing. All I'm saying is the man on a bat on a bad knee put up a rating of 90 in his time that he played, which is better than every free agent quarterback that has been signed. So uh and now you got you got the president of the United States taking credit of him not having a free agent job right now, not having a job right now. Really? All right. I mean that's that's that, you know. Not to get too political, but he, he you know, really followed this from taking a knee? Seriously? Come on, man. I, I know a black I know a black ball game when I see it. That's all. I, I I'm just I I'm I'm sick. Look, look at look at uh you could just point to Glennon getting nineteen million. Uh, you can just look at Geno Smith signing with the Giants yeah. and oh, had played yeah, in two too. seasons. <laughs> man. Look, I mean, all right, so there's several, there's several factors there, right? Like, one, I mean, you look at Mike Freeman wrote a really good piece for our Bleach Report about this where he got a bunch of GMs that just said what they felt, and they just felt that Colin Kaepernick don't have a place in this league, which is just very disappointing, right? Look, I'm not saying Colin Kaepernick is Peyton Manning at his prime. I'm not saying that he is Tom Brady. I'm not saying that he is – you know, one of the top five quarterbacks in the league. I'm not saying they just can't. I'm not saying these Cam Newton. I'm not saying, you know, you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not going there. But to say that there are 32 quarterbacks in the league better than him and their backups better than him, 
I think that's a bit capricious there. And it's just rather disappointing. But, you know, I made the example on Twitter about Myron Rowe, right? Like, there were teams who wouldn't draft that man because he was in med school. That him being smart in a way that didn't pertain to football would be a distraction because he wouldn't be focused on football. He'd actually be focused on, I don't know, being a doctor, like a medical doctor. So they were concerned, and they were also concerned. And I mean, I had GM just scouts tell me this: like there were teams that literally were concerned because they didn't want him rubbing off on his teammates. I'm like, what do you mean, Robert? You know what? Robert, Robert. Smith faced that same thing too uh, when he made it known that he was going to go to med school after football. That was an issue. And you talk about one of the best running backs in Minnesota history. And it's yeah, I mean, so it's it, it's kind of interesting. It, 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 and, and I'm never one to make comparisons to sports, you know, because I, I just think they're all BS. And, you know, slavery, slavery, this is still sports, regardless of how flawed it is. But this does kind of feel like, well, I just don't want you boys going back there getting all that book learning. You know, that's what this feels like. And it's also the same thing with a Colin Kaepernick. Where, hey, man, look, the guy made the protest. He did what he did. And now they're being duplicitous on the man because now it goes from want you, we don't want you kneeling, right? Then he said, okay, all right, fine. You know what? You got me. I'll stand. Then it's like, oh, well, you're just standing because you want a job. It's like, well, which one is it, man? And uh, on top of it all, it, it just goes to show you just how flawed people are. And the same conversation I was having with the NBA, but it's just, it always becomes, I hate NBA, guy, right? It's, well, you know, these guys make millions, so they should just do whatever we tell them to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm just amazed at how pro-labor this country is and, quite honestly, anti-black this country is, even even in sports. They they love you when you're entertaining them. But when you make them think, they don't like you so much. And that's what Colin Kaepernick did. It's he a, made the world a, think. It's just another example, kind of like what a lot of players face is the I can be myself and I can express myself and I can, you know, my views socially and politically at the risk of losing it all. And that's no matter what level of player you are. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter if you're the seventh round pick or the first round pick. If you get out here and you get quote unquote out of line with the establishment, which are the 32 owners and GMs and front offices in the league, then they can hold you outside of the league. Like they're doing with Colin Kaepernick, like they did with Barry Bonds when he could still uh, clearly still play, Um, you know, where he tried for two years to get in. Nobody would take him. So, I mean, these organizations are clubs. Uh, these leagues are clubs. They're, you know, they're all one big together thing. You know what I'm saying? They compete, but they all share money together. They all, you know, they all share the same information on these players. So, you know, at the end of the day, that's the, why a lot of guys will just suck it in and go hard when they see injustice and things going on outside their front door and keep it moving and dress in these weird clothes and stand up at the podium every week and try to use cliches that don't match because they understand that guess what? If they want to, they can take it all away just like they gave it to me. Well, and, and, and I think it's a very interesting thing because so much goes into that because, you know, people say, well, Colin Kaepernick, it wasn't brave. We see how brave it was, right? Because, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, hey, look, you know, this man was still in the league and would have still been in the league even if he never got another starting job again. He would have been in the league another five, six years, you know, collecting more checks. You know, they have essentially banished this man. Now, we'll see. Hey, for all we know, maybe by this time next week, somebody picks him up. Or maybe yeah, somebody picks him up in, in training camp. Yeah. Right. Quarterbacks I mean, get hurt in offseason, preseason. Yeah, I mean, it ain't over yet, but it is a little disappointing. Some of the quarterbacks you've kind of seen go before him and for him not to get a shot knowing what we know. So, 
you know, NFL needs to do better. That has some ways to go. It just goes to show you, man. Um, you know, race is still an issue, and it's still real, and it's still prevalent. And these owners basically are. This is a power play right now. This is a straight up power play. It's a straight up lesson to, you know, hey, like they say, let this be a lesson to the rest of you. Mm-hmm. And we will see. I would like to see the players, the players' association, do something. And I don't know what they can do. I don't know how that works. But it would be nice to see them either put out a statement or something of that nature to stand up for Colin Kaepernick, man. Because, hey, always remember, man, if I don't tell you, there's nothing else in the world that you, I believe you ever believe me say. Remember this. What they will do to the least of us, they will do to the rest of us. And if they stand and allow this to happen to Colin Kaepernick, it could be them one day. Mm-hmm. Because right. the sports well, business is a, is a use-me-up business. And some players can make their worst stretch longer than others can. It's just about their talent, one, and B, their politics, two. The difference between Randy Moss and T.O. is not really their talent. It's just that Randy Moss was a better guy in the locker room, so he got more chances. And thus, you see him on TV, you see him in commercials, blah, 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 blah. Where T.O.'s reputation of not being good behind the scenes has cost him so much outside of the game where now he's kind of he's seen as a guy scraping and clawing to do everything he can to get into it. And it all comes back to, hey, guess what? You didn't play the game the right way in the circles where it really mattered. Yeah, it's a it's a dirty game, man. But, you know, I'll tell you one place where it's not a dirty game, where we keep it fair, here is on Notice Score on the CSP Network. My name is Bryce Wilborn. Here with Tyler, here with Don. Um, Jesse was with us earlier. She had to get out of here. And speaking of getting out of here, I think we're about to get the go home button here and we'll get a quick final thought from the crew and then we'll keep it moving, man. Uh, starting with Tyler, what you got, bro? Oh, buddy, yeah. no, you're on the mute again, Tyler. Yeah, we'll start with Don and we'll come back to Tyler. All right. Oh, uh, well, my thing is um, I would just say all the people who love to crucify Roy Williams, he was the worst coach in America like a week ago when Carolina lost to Duke in the ACC tournament. Um, he does pretty good for himself in North Carolina, and I think people just need to stop you know, lowering the boom on him every time the players don't come through and execute. I mean, the guy's been to the Final Four half the years he's coached at Carolina. He's won two titles. He's played for four. So, I mean, what more can he do? I mean, I know everything's in comparison to Coach K, but he's doing the same thing Coach K is doing with maybe a, a lesser tier player on average than Coach K is doing. So, I think he's doing a heck of a job. And people who are Carolina fans that always get riled up, when they come up short, you need to understand that one day he's not going to be the coach anymore, and it could be like it was when Brad Darty was the coach. So, just remember. Um, I'm, I'm actually watching live. Um, Atlanta is at D.C. in a very important uh, very important Eastern Conference matchup. Uh, I, I'm, I'm still mystified at how the Wizards have gotten uh, where they are um, because, well, particularly they've, they've decided to you know, one day they spread at the floor a bit more, and they actually play a little bit better defense. But really, the emergence, the reemergence of Otto Porter um, has kind of set this team, and a he- and you get a healthy Brad Beal. So John Wall's got shooters around him. They're a fun team to watch um, as long as they figure out how to play defense. This is a team that actually, I would say, this is a team that's going to push uh, the Cavaliers once they figure out how to defend folks. So. Uh, I'm just interested. as a Wizards fan. I'm I'm very pleased with what th- this product that this team's put out. So that's my that is my dark horse team to watch for the uh, playoffs. Yeah, I mean, hey man, look, um, I, I think Otto Porter 
it should be, if not a candidate for most improved in the NBA. I mean, you look at him, you look at Rudy Gobert, you look at Ante Kempo, and I would say my man THJ Tomorrowway Jr. in Atlanta probably be like, to me, those would be like my five candidates for most improved. And the Otto Porter is definitely there. He's a big part of why the Wizards, I think right now, are like the second best team in the East. Mm-hmm. And hey, man, I'm not saying, look, I'm not saying they could beat Cleveland, but I tell you what, man, there ain't nobody in the East that they couldn't they couldn't give it to if they're right, if Bradley Bill and John Wall are right. We just haven't seen them right in a playoff series yet. And that, and that, include, that includes the two-seed Boston, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Boston's clinched, too, but, but that yeah, includes they Boston. them. They can beat Boston in a series. And I would love six, seven games of IT versus uh, John Wall. Man, I think that would be – Man, man, we almost that got that a few years – we almost got that a few years back, too, before Wall went down. Yeah, that would be some fun basketball. Um well, I guess for me, I will kind of just give a little bit of, you know, one, just a shout out to Jimmy Breslin, who, you know, sports writer, columnist, just one of the greats. And, you know, it's really sad to see him go. And also on a week where Chuck Berry passed away, too. So, you know, 2017 hasn't been as rough of a year on losing the greats as 2016 was. But, you know, we're still losing some people who, you know, really matter to us and to our society and has world that we live in. So with that, you know. Go back, read some of Breslin's stuff, go listen to some Chuck Berry, get into what their art form was and why, you know, these people are so special. And, you know, there's people like Little Richard who are still here. There's people like Bill Roden who are still here. You know, get in their flowers while they're still here, man, because they've definitely earned it and deserved it. And you know the score. So, once again, I want to thank everybody for listening, and we're out.